Welcome to Is Out of Liability number eight. I think that's the show. <laughs> it's a show? What do you mean it's a show? What are we talking about the show? We have a show. www.exotiliability.com <laughs> Podcast. Podcast Alley. Everywhere. In your face. This is a special <laughs> 40, special bag edition. Wait, can I borrow something for the bag? We Zuck. need the, this is the special brown bag uh, paper 40 edition. Brown bag 40 edition. <laughs> Uh, uh, screw all y'all. I got my mad dog chilling in the corner. <laughs> hey, right on. So you're here today with Ms. Jackalope. Mr. Chris Nickerson. And Don Bailey. Woohoo! We have guests. So uh, we, were, we were sitting here talking about, uh, before we started recording, uh, about awesome hacker movies. Um, <laughs> it was funny. I was on, uh, what the hell was I watching? I was watching some new nerd, like 4G TV or some something. like. I don't know. You some, weren't watching Chuck? Chuck. Oh, come on. Yeah. <laughs> I saw the picture and I got all your datas. Yes. <laughs> Special mad intel. I was like, it's some show, like TV station that's like Spike, right. but it's for nerds. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Like G, G3. G3, G, yeah, something like that, right? Yeah. So first off, I'm like, oh, I have shows to pitch you. And then second, they were playing Hackers, right, as I was leaving today. Are you kidding me? Right after I watched the Onion movie, which if you haven't nice. seen it. It's stupid <laughs> but awesome at the same time. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, we have uh, Don here to talk about hacksawing the Gibson. Uh, let's not use the word hacksawing. <laughs> okay. That term actually then, makes me cringe then, a little. Then, then we're going to talk about um, uh, being swordfish and how he cracked RSA while getting het. By two girls. <laughs> By two girls at the same that time. That makes me twice as cool Yes. Does, does that mean you have two dicks? It no, does. That, that just means he has split DNS. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm a nerd. Fork What's this. <laughs> um, so we'll have plenty of other things to, to to bitch about throughout the rest of the show. But I, the reason that I really, really, really wanted Don to come on is because I've, I've worked with Don in many different facets before, uh, as well as going to his talks and being able to listen to some of his perspectives. Uh, from my opinion, you know, Don's one of the people that I'm like kind of in awe, scared of, just because he's super smart and I'm a retard in, in, in comparison on a lot that's, of things. That's total bullshit, uh, by the way. No, yeah. it's not. It's not at all. Like, he talks about all these, like, super high-end, like, ninja hacks and everything like that, and I just kind of look and gloss over and shake my <laughs> head and nod. But well, thank you. That's very kind. No, it's, it's the truth. But uh, I think that Don also has the ability to kind of stretch it out to the people that aren't part of that community and aren't really heavy in the research community to understand what what do these things mean. So one of the conversations that we had on the phone, we were talking about being on the podcast, is talking about how there's scanners out there that classify vulnerabilities. Uh, and all of you people who have used scanners or pretend to use scanners or just point click and say that you're a hacker uh, or, or any of the other you know security professionals out there or non-security professionals that are basing your security program off of the red, yellow, green that those things give you, uh, I wanted Don to come in and talk about why that is going to make a bad security program for you because they're not always right. You know, can we can we make a blue scanner? So it'd be red, yellow, green, blue. What does blue do? Blue is like the gray of hacking. Could be anything. Could mean anything. I think we should mess off the whole Pavlovian response. Make blue like the worst. Actually, I think that's <laughs> that's kind of a good idea because later on, when we kind of you know pull together all the information that we're going to talk about, I think that. Really, the culmination of 
all this all this data that we pulled together is pretty much going to sum up to say, hey, you know what? At the end of the day, it's really how you see it. It's, it's all blue, right? It's all blue. Blue is whatever Don says. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> all blue, all the time. All blue, all, blue. <laughs> all day. As long as it pulses blue. It can't just be blue. It has to kind of like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> then that makes it like That's a little rave value. <laughs> <laughs> it's blue. It can't be good. So, so... Uh, if you wouldn't mind, Don, let's let's talk a little bit about what, you know, kind of rehash some of the stuff we were talking about on the phone and sure. see if we can give some of the people some understandings on why we say, you know, don't trust your scanners, trust your instincts better. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we could probably go over countless numbers of examples. Sure. And But, you know, why? Because what it, what it breaks down to is just a whole lot of time that you're going to spend proving that something's broken that you already know is broken. Right. So one thing we can do is really go through one very, very beautiful example, which I'm actually personally involved in. So that will, you know, maybe help people out to understand that it's a little or frustrating l- for me or, as well. or lower the amount of time that our lawyers have to spend refuting yeah. the podcast. Yeah, there you go. That's probably better <laughs> off, right? So everybody, a lot of people know out there know I, I read exploits. This is what I do. It's, it's pretty much what I did for a living before I do what I do now. And I'm going to continue to do it as a hobby. And uh, a vulnerability that I wrote an exploit recently um, was the FreeBSD Proto SW vulnerability, which was actually a very elegant, elegant kernel vulnerability, I, one of my favorites. Um, but the interesting thing about this vulnerability itself is that so many people were completely confused after the fact. You had uh, personally, I don't know what what Redna says. That's Redna saying all the other actual scanner utilities themselves. I couldn't tell you what they actually rated us because it's a kernel vulnerability. Blue. This is, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, blue, it's blue, the bluest of the blue, right? But what's interesting to me is that when you actually see all these security companies online that are posting information about the vulnerability, they don't even know exactly right. how to qualify it. Some of them seemed a little bit more informed than others, but that's also from my point of view. And I'm also inferring what, you know, what knowledge that they have about the vulnerability from a technical point of view. Like, right. I don't necessarily know. Well, you wrote it. I mean, they don't know as much as you about it, period. Yeah, you know, and I'm, I'm, <laughs> I mean, I'm hoping. At the end of the I'm day, hoping, that's what it is. Yeah, I'm hoping that they <clears throat> did their, their due diligence, but I don't know. Right. So I can only conjecture. The interesting thing that we can kind of take a break down here is like, okay, let's let's take a couple of security companies. ISS X-Force, awesome. Always high quality work from them. Uh, security Database, not too familiar with these guys, but they do use uh, CVSS version 2. That's kind of cool. VU Pen out of France, not too familiar with them, but uh, apparently they're they're pretty big in Europe. Okay. Uh, Secunia, I'm everybody knows Secunia. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, the ubiquitous security focus. Sure. Right? So let's take these guys and kind of break down what they thought so of this. So I, I have one question for you beforehand. Sure. Um, can, can you give us an understanding of the timeline? So... Like when you decided you were going to make the exploit versus when they knew about it and how that process worked real quick? Okay, sure. Well, uh, the vulnerability was actually posted by FreeBSD themselves. Okay. They heard about the vulnerability through whatever Whatever. forum and decided, okay, we're going to publish a a vulnerability um, detailing, right? So they posted on their website. They send it out to all the mailing lists. All these other guys pick it up within the next couple of days. I can't tell you specifically, you know, Secunia took right. one day, right, Secunia right, right. took five hours, whatever. But it's usually within days. the next – Yeah, it's, it's generally within a day to a week or two weeks after the publishing. Okay. So I wrote my exploit, what, three or four days 
later. After this was out. another bad Christmas exploit? Or? Yes. Yeah, another bad <laughs> Christmas exploit, as I'm pretty notorious for. Does it have so, a name? Uh, I think I wrote it as gift.c. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Kitchy. <laughs> so... Uh, Anyway, I mean, that's pretty much the timeline. Okay. I, I throw out an exploit probably maybe a day or two after some of these guys break it down. Right. Right. But they're also supposed to readjust findings, like based on, oh, somebody wrote a public exploit. Now right. we have to kind of reevaluate if we thought that it wasn't really a viable exploit before, that kind of thing. But you don't really see a lot of companies doing that. And these are great examples yeah, yeah. of them not doing that. Secunia, I thought, was the most interesting because they rated it as less critical now, it's true because I can speak from experience. This, this vulnerability itself, though it's very technically interesting to me, isn't really good if you're an actual attacker because it depends on the loading of a kernel module that is not installed by default and is generally not going to be used except by very technically proficient individuals with FreeBSD. Okay. So you're just not going to find it in the wild very often. And that's a fact. I mean, I could sit here and try to make my vulnerability sound cool like – a lot of guys might be like, oh, no, it's you'll find it Super all over the place. Everywhere. But only in, like, government labs. You know? yeah, <laughs> that's why you write Plan 9 exploits. Right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's all the nuclear research R&D at LANL. And absolutely. So but, that you can, you can write them for Jeff Bauer and Tony <laughs> Almeida so they can get yeah. into the facility. Let me red team your place because I can, I'm down with Plan 9. Yeah, what's up Seriously. now? Seriously. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, okay, so Secunia rated as less critical. Right. That's fine because, as I just said, you know, it's not going to be very often that this is going to be exploitable in the wild. Sure. Cool. Less critical. What really bugged me about it is that they didn't really tell why they thought it was less critical. You know what I mean? All right, so I'm supposed to trust your word. That's cool. But how about you give me a breakdown of why you think this is the case? Right. You know, is it because this kernel module is never used? Is it because nobody uses FreeBSD? What's the deal? <laughs> Right. And also they, they uh, misrepresented the vulnerable versions of the operating system. So instead of including the latest and greatest FreeBSD 7 branch, they only said 6x was vulnerable. And to me, that's kind of a, that's huh. a, it's a pretty big misstep. You know, it's like it tells me, OK, maybe you thought it was less critical because you did the due diligence and said, oh, this kernel module is not there. Mm-hmm. But then you didn't tell me that. So I could be on your side up until the point that you say, all right, well, it's only 6x. Okay, well, now you just made me, you know, completely question. Yeah, I had to go over all that again. Yeah, you made me question your research, and so I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe you don't know what's up, right? Yeah. So it's, you know, it so confuses they, me. So do they interact with you in that process? When you put something like oh, that out, do they? No, absolutely they just, not. They just say, whatever, we'll, we'll figure it out now? Yeah, and lately, in the last couple of years, every time I write an exploit that's public, I put my email address in it. So they are free to contact me, you know, if you they know, just, they're big, they just huge spooks they're... on the Internet. They can grab my cell phone from whatever and give me a call at 3 <laughs> o'clock in the morning. Don Bailey, we know you wrote this exploit. Yeah. But, why, you know, I mean, nobody – there is no forum whatsoever for communication with these guys. They just throw stuff on there. And right. It's just, that's just the way it is. So, so, Don, if we want to get a hold of you, what's an email address for, for you? Don.Bailey at Gmail. Dot com. Dude, that's awesome. You just advertised now, did Gmail. You, did you Gmail is the shit, by is the that, way. Is that some type of like trade off one to your real address? Or, it know, might be. Some really ninja. I can't really tell you, Chris. <laughs> that's my secret to know. That's my super secret. So all of you are going to have to I will, do research. I will, I will tell you guys, to everybody listening, that I do have a very, really secret, secret Gmail address out there that all my zero day is actually archived in. 
So if that's you're interested awesome. in hacking me, that's where to go first. Yeah, you should totally find that email address, <laughs> that secret email that's address. Tight. <laughs> All right. So anyway, uh, yeah. So Sukunia, like you know, they're pretty out there in the scene. They make themselves very available. But I also often question as to whether or not they're doing their work. Uh, let's move on to another company, X-Force. Many quality people work in X- at X-Force. Uh, got a lot of love for them. They actually qualified this as high risk, which I found very interesting because these are very technical individuals. Sure, sure. Uh, and technical individuals would be like, oh, hey, free BSD, local chroma vulnerability. That's never going to be exploitable. Okay, well, what does that mean? That, that kind of gives you a lot of insight into the way that they see vulnerabilities, right? Sure. So to them, it's like, okay, well, even though it's probably never going to be actually exploitable in 90% of FreeBSD installations, we're still going to qualify it as high risk because if this kernel module is loaded, just bam, insta root, right? right? Which is cool from that perspective to be like, all right, well, they're technical and savvy enough to know that that's a huge issue. Yeah, but at the same time, you're kind of like, all right, well, is it really high risk? I mean, if Hmm. I have one FreeBSD box on my corporate LAN of, you know, 1,200 boxes or whatever, and that kernel module isn't loaded and somebody gets a root on it, but they're like... Well, what is the you box know. protecting? Like, what is what's on the box? That's 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 neither here nor there, though, right? Because you know, say you're on a FreeBSD box and there's a, a ton of valuable stuff on it. If you're not already root, yeah, does it matter? Right? Yeah. Are you a user that can access any of that data? And if you are a user that can access any of that data, then there's something else wrong with the box that's not related <laughs> yeah. to this vulnerability. Yep. If you're dropped in a jail, and you're sitting there and you're like, okay, my only vector is a kernel exploit. But then this kernel module is not loaded, you're screwed. Sure, sure. Right? Yeah, so then you're, yeah, your high risk has just gone from it, to all you, the way down to. Have you seen it in any of the base builds like LAMP or anything like that that people put over FreeBSD that are used commonly? Mm, no. Or is it no. some that's real obscure? No, I, I, I really don't investigate those deployments. Right. Uh, and I would have to say that if those deployments were out there, default vulnerable, you know? Right. I would have to say that it would be cool if X-Force knew about that to put that in their in their statement. Yeah, I think it'd be really right. cool so that if if like the Secunia and X-Force and all those guys could give a like a footprint of an exploit. Oh yeah. Of like, I mean cuz they have most of those metrics out there and you can get most of those metrics from just the bases of the web servers and what's installed. Absolutely. I, I, it'd be really really cool to see a company go out there and give a footprint of like it may be a low vulnerability but the fact that there's such a large footprint of it increases the weight of it yeah. instead of just looking at it from the kind of objective view, right? Like Exactly. Of, and you know, like was, you're saying, exactly, right? Like one of us do this and one of us look at it this way and one yeah. of us look at it the other way. And that's exactly what I was going to talk about later, which is, you know, people need to, you know, put some sort of weight to it in those right. kinds of perspectives. And anyway, we'll get to no, that later, but you're you're completely on the, got on the perfect path, cool, cool. you know? So, anyway, uh high risk, cool. Whatever. I mean, you know, I, I really personally don't think that it's either here nor there. To me, as a as a uh, exploit coder, I, I really don't give a shit. Right. <laughs> if you yeah. think it's high it's risk, an exploit, awesome. bam. It's an exploit. <laughs> That's it. I wrote it for the fun of it. You know, I'm you know, I'm down to do whatever you whatever you want to think about it, you think that. You're right. just making them to make them and not making them to rates. Yeah. But I mean let's talk a little bit about security database, right? Yeah. These are the guys that I actually want to give some props to because they use C V S S version two. And nobody is really using this across the board. So first, uh, I think it's first.org, 
developed CVSS version two. Yep. They're like, here's how you determine whether or not something is actually important yep. from a vulnerability perspective, right? And that's awesome because they actually give a lot of metrics to say, all right, this is how you break it down. This is, you know, what situations would increase the weight of the vulnerability or whatever. Sure. You know, they put a lot of work into it. And I think it's really cool that Security Database actually took the time to say, hey, let's use this. And, you know, I'll give props to everybody else who are coming up with their own metrics and their own style. But at the same time, that's just it. It's their own style. It's their own flavor. Yeah, there's no standardization. You know, just going where you were going with. Like, okay, well, what is the weight? that you're putting on it. You're not telling me. Right. I'm just, you're giving me a color. You're giving me a high, low, whatever. That, that doesn't break it down for me. Well, I think that's a, it's a really good point. I mean, across all of security is that uh, standardization is pertinent to it. I mean, if, absolutely. If, and, and I'll talk shit on compliance and standards and stuff like that all day, but the, the ability to track things relevant to the industry mm-hmm. and track things relevant to the business are, are huge weighting factors that I think most people just ignore when yeah. they go, I can pop this, I can't pop this. Well, sure. I mean, assume that you can pop damn near anything, and especially if I have somebody like you on my team, I, I know that I can eventually get there. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just it, it's just the that weight and the quickness and those things that sure. I, I think that people forget a lot. Absolutely. I mean, the cool thing about this is, all right, so... Security database, as I understand it, they broke down their own CV, uh, CVSS version two breakdown of the vulnerability, right? Mm-hmm. Being redundant. Anyway, so their impact score was really high of a 10, right? Because it's true. I mean, the impact if this kernel module is enabled. <laughs> your root. Obviously, done. your root. It's done. Instant, instant root. But um, they gave other classifications like the exploit score, which were much lower, like 3.5 which I thought was really cool because now they're kind of saying to me, all right, the impact, if this is vulnerable, very, very, very big problem. But the exploitability, the amount of times that you're going to see it in the wild, not really there so Not like MSO 902 or one of those that everyone can touch everywhere immediately. Yeah, and also maybe I'm, you know, reading in too much their thought process, but it kind of said to me also, like, what's the level of expertise required to, you know, exploit this vulnerability to gain some kind of benefit out of it. Yeah, well, I think that that's a, that's a huge metric, right? Like, is it something that's already built into the point-and-click hacking frameworks? Or yeah. is it something that you have to write custom? Yeah, And exactly. you've just seen a proof of concept somewhere. Mm-hmm. So you either have to have mad awesome Google foo or be able to do it <laughs> yourself, right? Exactly. You know, because, I mean, yes. all right, so so say my vulnerability or my exploit wasn't out there. Right. Right, and say, okay, here's a, here's a really good example. Like, Mark Dowd's really elegant send mail exploit Mm -hmm. where he just did some crazy kung fu on um god what was it like the internal scheduling or internal like thread handling or thread job schedule or something like i can't i can't even remember i just remember at the time that i thought it was like the sickest exploit ever (laughs) written and i didn't even see it you know what i mean so it's just like i duke's a badass that's all there is to it but it was the way that the vulnerability was described that gave it so much power you know but the interesting thing about this is it was one of the most technically profound exploits to come out in the last, probably the last few years, I would say, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And that's what made it so cool. But if you look at it from an exploit perspective as an attacker, you're taking that into into like, a um, okay, I'm going to do a vulnerability assessment or I'm going to actually be an attacker on the internet. It's so damn difficult <clears throat> to exploit this vulnerability. And I personally don't know of any actual exploit that's public for it. It's public, you're right. You know, so you'll see so Retina you go just throw him, out. Yeah, it. exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, yeah, we're going to hunt you down, Duke. But <laughs> seriously, I mean, 
every every single time that I've scanned a network with Retina or whatever, it comes back as oh, this SendMail vulnerability is huge. Oh, it's oh, it's it's, so, red. it's, it's dark so, red, it's right? It's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. yeah you should fear blue. fear for your life. Yeah, it's you know, but it blinks. The exploit's nowhere to be found, and it's so in- impossible <laughs> to write an exploit for this that. Psh, Right. You're going to do it? I'm not going to do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I, I can't. I yeah, so people really out. need to throw that into – people need to throw that kind of stuff into perspective. They just need yep. to – they need to weigh that stuff, and they don't. Yep. Yeah, so, you know, maybe X-Force does a little bit more weighting because they're so technically capable, but I don't really know that a lot of other companies are. Uh, VU Pen, the cats in France, as I understand it, uh, they called it a low risk. Now, you know, these are these are guys, too, that just kind of give you the yellow-green whatever. Yeah. And it's the next to it's stop like this vulnerability name. Yeah, I mean, so they didn't break down anything. They didn't even give me like a CVE link or anything like <laughs> it that. Was just, so, it was just green next. Yeah. It wasn't even, it was green. It was yellow. Ooh. Like, oh, low risk. So they like yellow, orange, and red or something? Yeah, yeah. They have yeah. green, yellow, orange, and red. Sweet. You know, the sassy rainbow of exploitability. That's cute. Yeah. What do I? I don't even. There's, we need, we need to have little exploit flags. That yeah. are <laughs> green, yellow, orange, and red. <laughs> That's awesome. It's a new consulting flag. Yeah. So I mean, okay. Well, so there's an example of a few companies that really break down the information. Well, and it sounds like they're all totally different. The, that's the totally that's different. the total point. They're completely different. You never really get to see what their perspective is. They don't tell you how they come about this. You know. It's, it's right. just an extremely well, and, frustrating And the process. scanners are the ones that are linking back to, to their assessment of those vulnerabilities. Yeah. They're linking their criticality back to how the CVE is posted or Absolutely. how the security focus is posted or how, you know, whatever one that they've decided that they want to use. I mean, they're, they're inherently just accepting their opinion. Sure. So, so now you're taking something that, you know, if we talk about Don's exploit, we're, we're taking something that is low, medium, and high possible. <laughs> and depending on what scanner you have and what security mechanism that they use to grade, you will be low, medium, or high. So yeah. think, think about that from the perspective of every single vulnerability you find on your network. How, how, how much of a problem is that when we have a... Th- 33 to 63% margin of error on the ranking alone. Yeah, absolutely. It's an extremely frustrating process. And if I were an actual system admin, I'd, I'd just be screaming just every single day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't get how these guys, you know, even, even work right. with security issues, which is probably why we have so many problems that we do in networks. Yeah. Because nobody's giving them the power of information to say, you know what? I know exactly what to do. When this situation arises, given my environment, given this vulnerability, right. they're just not given that flexibility or the information to make the correct choices. You know? And that's really what this breaks down to. Word. And you know, they could go on security focus and talk about, oh, hey, well, there's no vulnerability or there's no exploit for this vulnerability. Or, hey, you know, there might be six exploits for this vulnerability. So to me, it's going to be more weighted. But that's also a bad metric too. You know what I mean? So. It's such a it's such a subjective thing, and to get to talk a little bit more about security focus, I found it really interesting that their bid on this vulnerability, they made a little statement for core security, which mad props to core security, of course. But I, I found this really amusing. They actually stated core security technologies has developed a working commercial exploit for its core impact product. This exploit is not otherwise publicly available or known to be circulating in the wild. And then what do you see right under that statement? A link to my exploit. So, okay. 
That's awesome. That's cool that Core is not providing anybody with a public exploit, but hey, <laughs> but you, you can are. Down, download mine for free. Yet so it's not it publicly like, available. It's, it's, yeah. it's yeah. Well, you have to, like, Secret Squirrel, you have to know you. <laughs> <laughs> Yet there's again, secret, it's another one you have to knock. kidnap Don. <laughs> yeah, it's like a port knocking thing. You have the secret port knock. You have to play a little wave file of your favorite song, <laughs> <laughs> and it authenticates it based on Shazam. Yeah, I just I didn't understand that. I was like, man, are they like, are they working with Cornell? Are they yeah, just in bed with each other? I don't That's understand. That's just how they do it. Or they're just, maybe they're just trying to make me look bad. Oh, we're not going to provide a public exploit, but this Don asshole, he'll totally do it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so anyway, to get off that crap, I mean, the, let's – Let's break it down to reality, right? Every environment, no matter what environment you have, needs to classify the, the actual bug on a case-by-case basis. Okay. Because the fact is every environment is going to be slightly different. You're going to have jails. You're not going to have jails. You're going to have CH roots. You're not going to have CH roots. You're going to have crazy Linux VMs running all over the place with whatever software, Zen or KVM or whatever. I mean, all based on these factors, your environment is going to be skewed. It's going to be changed. It's going to be manipulatable. It's not going to be there. I mean, there are so many questions and answers that only the system administration and IT department can answer. Really what it breaks down to is you have to have somebody savvy enough to sit there and break down each vulnerability and say, all right, is this pertinent to us? Do I have a database of all our systems? Do I have a database of all our systems that classifies what software is running on each one of these systems and whether or not this vulnerability even fits into our threat model? And if you don't have that, then not only are you at a loss for any sense of power, or any sense of structure in your environment, but also you're opening yourself up to more vulnerabilities than you even know about. You know, right. Because, I mean, people are breaking right. down configuration vulnerabilities, configuration exploits, doing crazy stuff with, oh, hey, I can slip in this configure, config file to your NFS server or whatever. Right. Just like weird stuff like that yeah, that yeah, you just yeah. don't think about, you know? So, I mean, I think that you can't, you can't rely on Sukuni, you can't rely on, on, on uh, SecFocus, you can't rely on any of these guys or anybody else we haven't mentioned. What you have to do is get enough threat modeling taken care of and get enough structure in your IT environment to basically say, all right, I know when this new vulnerability comes out, I have enough power of information inside my IT department to leverage what I know to determine whether or not this new thing that I don't know is relative to me. Sure, sure. Right? No, it makes total sense. Yeah, and that's where I think the whole blue thing comes down to it because it's, it's a big gray world. So what, what, yeah, what does it mean? Yeah, yeah. You well, have to qualify it for yourself. And, and I think that, that one of the other big qualifying factors that people constantly forget is, is at, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. is it relevant? Absolutely. You know, okay, great. You know what? I may have this perfect storm that you described, mm-hmm. but does it hack anything that's important to me? Yeah. All right, so this vulnerability you know, is like, exploitable, but awesome. it, <laughs> right. it gets them a WinNT server that's been around for five years <laughs> right. that doesn't have anything on it. Right, and no one cares. <laughs> and it's okay. Yeah, it's next. sitting in the basement, and it's never been turned off because we're afraid the hardware is going to blow up. Right. You know? No, exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. Well, that was did – you, did you read that article? Um, oh, God, where was it? One of the universities – had built they, they they were doing a scan of the network uh-huh. and as they were doing a scan of the network they were trying to catalog and use it as their af- asset inventory oh yeah so so they 
put it against the asset inventory and they started vetting out like all the ones that didn't match up and putting asset tags on it. And there's one box that they couldn't find. <laughs> okay. Right. So, so they're going over and over and over again. And because it's a university, they still have mix of like old vampire tapped. Oh, sure. You know, all this old like ARPANET and everything else. <laughs> and, they're, and they're going through and they're trying to catalog those yeah, stuff. DECnet. Yeah. And they find a server. Mm-hmm. The server has been up for like 15 years. Okay? <laughs> really? The reason, and it's also been up for 15 years and no one can find it. So they start tracing the cable back and they get these electricians to trace cable back. Mm-hmm. The server is built into a wall because what? they had made additions on this one room and I guess framed it in on one side. And then somehow some other project made a room on the other side and framed it on the other side. So there was oh. this like gapped like six foot area or seven <laughs> foot area where this server sat. And it's this like like old ZOS server oh, wow. that was out there, 390 or something like that. And it's super, super old <laughs> IBM box that's sitting out there that has, like, all the student data and all this other stuff and, like, everybody's <laughs> everything information. No one's even touched this box in, like, 15 years, but it's wow. just trucking along, just, you know, power, sure. all good. That's crazy. And the, the funniest part about that is, well, I guess it wouldn't really be funny if it actually happened, but, I mean, the power systems on some of these things – Oh kind yeah, of like to fry and melt and fail. And yeah, yeah. So like, embedded why in the wall is there like a fire like, in the middle oh, of my wall? <laughs> that's a little insane. Why is there smoke coming out of there? Right. Well, that's and, drywall, isn't it? And they're not actually. You know, you think of systems from 15 years ago. They're not cool running systems. They, oh no, no. They at generate all. a lot of heat, <laughs> and they also generate a lot of electric- electricity use. Yeah, so, I exactly. Mean, nobody's like, oh man, my power spiked like. $15. Somebody call month. Al Gore. We're not green. Your tax dollars <laughs> at work. <laughs> but, yeah, like the thing reboots and it costs an extra $20 a month or something. <laughs> exactly. Well, I, dude, I, I think that, that you're dead on with, you know, uh, especially coming at it from an exploit developer perspective and being able to show how, you know, it, it, it really means only what it means to you. Mm-hmm. And, and that goes back to this whole idea of that Pavlovian response to red, yellow, oh yeah, orange, whatever the f- color you want to sure. have it. It's it's all about you know what does that really mean to you? Is it if you know to me if it was on a server that held all of my ERP data, mm-hmm. I don't care what somebody said. It could be low, it could be medium, it could be high. It could be I informational. Would, I, I don't still... even I don't even want somebody to ever find out anything about that box. Sure. Period. Absolutely. And I think that that so many people, and I, I imagine you see this when you're doing consulting, that you know so many people ignore the vulnerabilities because it's green or mm-hmm. because it's yellow or sure. because it's this. Instead of actually saying, I'm going to look at the vulnerability from the perspective of if it's on a box that's important, mm-hmm. I don't give a shit what color it is. Yeah, and I know you know this just as well as I do, Chris. When it breaks down, what yellow, green, what the fuck ever. It doesn't matter. Information is information. And if I can get as much information as I possibly can from anything out there, eventually I'm going to get enough to screw with something. To go at it. Yeah. Exactly right. Exactly right. Um, So I'm going to give you this laptop for a second because I want you to see something. Can I take Um, it home with me? Do whatever you want with it. I don't care. That thing's probably been hacked more times than I have in general. (laughs) Um, So I'm more than an Amsterdam hooker. Yeah. Aw. Oh. I was in Amsterdam once. That's not a story for a podcast. Um, <laughs> At least not this podcast. But I can definitely say that there is different tiered levels of value in which I could rate them red, <laughs> orange, <laughs> yellow, and green. 
<laughs> and I was somewhere in the orange level of value and manipulated the situation in order to get to the green level of value <laughs> very quickly. Uh, were um, these colors that you were seeing or these colors that... Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, sir. I do not have any recollection of that particular topic. So I'm, I'm, the reason I'm handing uh, Don my laptop is because uh, I was working on Twitter and I had found some you know, people that we're friends with that had put out a proof of concept for exploits on DDoSing websites that use Google Analytics. Um, and, and how great is that? I mean, think of how pervasive Google Analytics are. And what's going on in that? Um, and so I, I wanted him to have like a quick read through it because I'd love to have his thoughts because I'm not smart enough to understand it. But at the same time, um, I, I am smart enough to understand that if this is yellow or red or, or excuse me, yellow or, or, or orange or green, uh, they're wrong <laughs> because there's a lot of sites out there that use Google Analytics. Um, so, uh, you know, as, as I mean, how our site does, right? So if anybody wants to, I'll send the link to this Google Analytics article, and then you can DOS our site. It, it'll be really fun. <laughs> it, uh, I don't care if people hack us. I mean, come on. That's that's what we're here for, right? We, we want that sharing of knowledge that goes on in this community. Um, but I think it's really, really funny when you look at some of these systems. I, I know even to the regards of uh, we're going to talk to Ryan Jones. Uh, we're going to talk to um, – Jessica, we're going to talk to a couple other people here in the next episode about CCDC. Um, one of the really funny things that they're doing is they're messing with their Joomla um, online point of sale. Now, that's another super pervasive online point of sale piece. And they're actually messing with that because of the faults. And they'll tell you a lot about what's going on. But we've been laughing hysterically off mic because of some of the stuff that they've been doing to these kids at CCDC. Um, nonetheless, Don, did you kind of get a quick read on that? Yeah, fair enough. It's actually pretty hilarious. So so maybe you could give me your opinion on it. I, I think it's one of the funniest things that I've read in a while. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Once this again, is pretty we'll be, hilarious. We're putting the, the URL, I believe, on our site. Um, I'm cool. not quite sure. We always the, find the really is. fun shit while we're broadcasting, by the way. So <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sorry to everyone else who we, we get really ADD and we're like, ooh, look, we found – dude, so did you hear the podcast <laughs> where we're – where uh, Jackalope found all these people's phone numbers. We actually have to um, go back to that, too. I've got some details. Awesome. I we'll, don't think I did. We'll, we'll, we'll wrap that up. But essentially, she found people's like little like cell phone numbers in Twitter. Oh, really? And it was because of some like whacked Republican Party campaign thing that they were doing with their <laughs> organizers. And they oh, were yeah. like, somebody probably like listed their address book and synced it the wrong way and ended up <laughs> creating all these Twitter accounts with people's phone numbers in them. Wow. And we were calling people on the show like, hey, have you ever used Twitter before? And their nice. answer was no. And they're like, uh, I don't know what that is and I don't know you. And I'm really scared. <laughs> so, cool. I digress. Uh, so so let me know. What, what What's your opinion on that? I mean, it, granted, this is like a two-second read that I just put them on the spot. I think it's literally one of the funniest things I've ever read. Because like, okay, Google, <laughs> the most prolific, you know, ubiquitous search engine ever to scour the face of the earth. <coughs> it's, it's sick how apparently you can use Google Analytics to just DOS anything that's awesome so you just create a little cookie and it's actually creating the cookie by using search terms which of course we can make the search term as long as we want and once that gets fed into the cookie and get passed to the client the client's like oh my god this cookie's way too big I can't browse this website done 
That's hilarious. <laughs> no way. I've never heard of anything like that. That's the funniest thing ever. Isn't that awesome? So you can just pretty much attack any site that you want. Just be like, hey, through Google Analytics, man. Yeah. and We're and, totally going to take down IBM.com if they have so, for some so, reason. So tell me. In the Verizon report, is that classified <laughs> as an external or internal threat? I do believe that would be an threat? external threat, Chris. Ex- <laughs> it, ha- it would have to be an external because the they do not work for the company. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Unfortunate but true. That's so great. Well, anyway, if you guys want to learn how to DOS websites <laughs> uh, and have Google be responsible for it. Well, have, have the clients dos Yeah, well... But, Essentially, in effect, DOS any web server you want that has Google Analytics. Whoops. Including our website at www.exoticliability.com. <laughs> so the fun news on the Twitter is that uh, so far there there is no news on the Twitter. Um, I placed a, a, like a service help request, you know, trying to inform them of the uh, the fact that there's like a billion phone numbers and names and stuff. Call John McCain. The what? <laughs> Call Mr. McCain. Be like, hi. <laughs> Uh, and I keep checking the, the exotic liability, um, like, you know, thing to find out, you know, if they'll tell us about this. Uh, fortunately, it was the same exact time that, that uh, this infamous Twitter worm occurred. So maybe I was wondering if they're just too freaked out about the Twitter <laughs> worm to, like, deal with the fact that there's hey, 1,200 names and phone numbers Come on, Mikey's on just looking for a job, okay? Yeah. TM. Let's Let's not make it sound like a huge, <laughs> horrible worm. The guy just wants a job. Anyone that can use XSS to, like, promote their own site. <laughs> Did you hear that sweet. this kid actually got a job offer because of that? What? Yeah. He got a couple job offers. Some. Uh, what, 20... is this, what is this, Mitnick 2? Th- that's <laughs> what I was thinking. Actually, there was a... What, that'd be <laughs> Hackers 3 you... made out of him? Hackers um, three. Yeah, there was... Like, I don't know. Social network. There was an article that I read yesterday where huh? they were like, this guy, this guy, and Kevin Mitnick all hired because they're <laughs> hackers. Because they're dumb hackers. It was ridiculous. Because they guy's get like, caught. Yeah, the CSO was giving an interview. He's like the founder and CSO or CEO or something of, uh-huh. the, of this security company. And he was like, yeah, I got a hold of this Mikey guy because, God, this XSS stuff was so badass. Sick. So it was the I Department wanna, of Homeland I want to hire this guy. You know, and I'm just thinking, okay, well, you're a 25 year old founder of a company. You're probably looking for some kind of free advertising. Yeah. But at the same time, like you really, you really want to hire somebody with zero ethics like that into your security company. Don't you think that maybe people are going to be like, hey, let's not hire this security consulting firm. No, I just want to charge $10,000 to have him be the bad keynote at my event. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm not. Ouch. (laughs) (laughs) So with that uh, bit of happiness. (laughs) That stuff's awesome. Well, with that being said, I I think we're going to kind of wrap it up for this cast. Um, Anybody uh, else have any questions? you have any concerns? Or, or hell, even, Don, is there anything else that's been on your mind lately that that you you think of or things that suck at work, things that (laughs) suck in life, things that suck in general, things that are great, Uh, any cool new products that are out there? Well, actually, uh, I do want to give some uh, props to the Hack in the Box crew because uh, this coming week they're going to have Hack in the Box Dubai. There's going to be a yeah. lot of cool research presented, yep. so uh, we're all looking forward to seeing what comes out of that. But uh, is there any? Do you, do you know of any speeches there that would be really cool for people to see? I do, or? but I don't know enough to talk about about any of them. So I'd okay. rather people just went to the Dubai Hack in the Box site and kind of browse for themselves because there's going to be more interesting stuff there than I can talk about. Cool. Very cool. And also uh, props to all you guys who are recovering from Nauticon. <laughs> We're still in the process of at the RSA recovery. <laughs> and then uh, we got RSA coming up again. Um, 
I, I we we did one of the podcasts on 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 RSA, and we've been trying to tell people like speeches that if I was going, mm-hmm. what I would want to go see, or what Jack Lope would want to go see, or what sure. Ryan want to go see. Um, so we've been trying to kind of review those on the site. Um, I was really bad about RSA because there's nothing that I really want to see except for going and kind of making fun of them. Yeah, and you know, people have been complaining like that with respect to RSA for years. Well, it's a it's a sales event, right? It's Absolutely. not it's not it's, really it's a con, it's a sales event. Yeah. And I mean, they get some cool stuff every once in a while, but it's a needle in haystack. Well, I, that's that may be something I I'd, I'd love to have your opinion on. So, you know about uh, Alexander taking over the Cyberzar position? Oh, uh, no, so, not uh, really. Alex Keith Alexander is from the NSA. Okay. And they gave him the Cyberzar position mm-hmm. and then moved the position under the office of the White House. So technically, right now, mm-hmm. the office of the White House is in charge of electronic internet security for the U.S. Okay. And Obama wants to use BlackBerry? <laughs> <laughs> he is strictly forbidden. I mean, I was just, I mean, you know, I was, I was thinking about that and going, wow, you know, not only is that a really great NSA power grab, but... But what a wonderful organization to have control of internet security under the new Obama plan. Hey, listen, I, I voted for Obama, right? Whatever. So I'm not, I'm not talking shit there. I, I don't really care who's president. I think they're like the queen. They really don't do anything. Um, but I, I, I think I just heard a black van pull up outside. That's <laughs> um, but But now they have this NSA head who essentially is under the office of the White House as the czar, which, whatever, I guess we got to take over by Russia, and we use positions like czar now, um, has no laws and rules, because really nothing applies to anybody in the office of the White House, because they're the executive body under the president that can do whatever the hell they want for a couple days before they get in trouble. Yeah. Then you have the EFF's new interpretation of the revisions to the Patriot Act, saying that they can wiretap anyone at any time without a warrant. Even using Kalea. Oh, Kalia. I remember setting that stuff up at Sprint. Really? Oh, my God. That must have been fun. They let you do that? Yeah. I thought an FBI agent had to handle that. Oh, no, no, no. They made all the requests, and then our tapping teams did it in the phone switches. Really? Yeah, and, and it was really funny because especially when we started to roll out VoIP. <laughs> ha, ha, hey, Sprint. Um, <laughs> we started to roll out VoIP. Part of the Kalia projects when they went to all the phone companies, and this mm-hmm. is public knowledge. People can look it up, so I don't care. Um, they would they would actually have to say that you'd have to have a certain number of parties mm-hmm. that you could forward the call to, but the admin of the call actually had to be on the switch, oh, which really? means we had to be on the on phone, the s- on the line, yeah. while the call was getting tapped. Sure. That's pretty funny. So that you get just awesome. to listen to whatever you yeah, want. You just hang out and listen to all these people like, yeah, man, I'm bringing the, like 400 pounds of crack over to your house today. <laughs> you know, it was just awesome. <laughs> You know, and and just wow. oh, it was it was just like some of the stuff that, and then there'd be like these really personal, like super intimate conversations. These people record it, and it's like, sure, and that sucks. Like some poor yeah, guy's like professing his love to his girl or to his guy or whatever else, to his dog, and you know, and everybody on the phone like taking notes to like, okay, say he <laughs> loves her, and he's at his house. 
Does, does love there. really mean yeah, methamphetamine? It, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> does love mean that he is cooking heroin in his basement? <laughs> Put that to our intelligence analytics team, you know? Yeah, you know, like, on, on the note of Kalea and you actually having set it up, so what did you think about the Solaris deployments that were actually running that software? The big E10Ks that kept, like, almost catching on fire? Yeah. yeah uh, that's about what I thought of it. Was that pretty <laughs> fun to patch those things every once in a while? Oh, we, you know, so, so in our security team, we didn't have operations, right? All we did was pound on them. Okay. Uh, and even at the end of my term there, after they were all set up, they still had the System 5. Really? Still. You could still pop it with System 5. Because wow. you couldn't really patch them. Because if you patched them and something messed up, and then... you would only be able to get one bridge on it, mm-hmm. because they were doing taps every hour. Uh-huh. Like, That's pretty when, much when what are you going to tell at. them downtime? You know, you're... I, I know you're you're dead on. Yeah, because I mean it's it's a really interesting system from a technical perspective to look at how Kalea functions. Yep. But when you break down the actual use case and you're like, wow, they can never take this down, and I could just own the shit out of this entire network yeah. and they'd never know it. Well, and that's why it's one of those things that they really should have built on some of the like R six thousand platforms, oh, so yeah. they could have taken down banks of processors and uh, sections of the OS and patched it, and then kind of done that cyclically around all the different processor segments. So it could have stayed up. And no, you I didn't know that you had uh, CPU hot patching. Yeah, and you can and systems. you can and you can do that and have the thing multi running on it, so that by the time you get back around, you can already have your proof of concept on it. It's on the same box, and then sure. finish the last patch, and it rolls back over into the cluster. Yeah, that'd be tight. Which, but would be but cool. They did but not do that. But they, <laughs> but they did not do that. No, they did not. But it was just a big ass <laughs> E10K that got on fire. <laughs> Whatever. Um, well, at least Sun made a little money. Yeah, <laughs> Unfortunately, it's not saving them from IBM, but... Yeah. And now TC does all the crash kernel debugging on those. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so maybe we should have get him on the show to talk about some of the, the interesting <laughs> kernel crashes that happen in live environments like that. Hey, guys, guess I, f- I found this wave file <laughs> in my crash dump. From a, I don't know what this is, but... Yeah. Oh, my God. I, I ran... Uh, what was it in Sun? It wasn't... Uh, was it Trace? That was like their TCP dump. Oh, Snoop. Is it Snoop? Yeah. So you remember you could run it with the the audio command? Yeah. <laughs> and you just like... Create a wave file out of it. That was the most frustrating thing. You Ever. just like pop somebody's box and then instead of actually doing anything... <laughs> yeah, don't read their files or anything. Just start Snoop with the dash W or whatever it is to just <laughs> their box pipe just to audio. Angry. Yeah. People just be freaking out, like, I don't understand why everything sounds like it's crashing. Oh, My dude. CPU sounds like it's eating itself. That's awesome. That, re- that reminds me of the, uh, did you ever see the Mario, Super Mario Brothers exploit uh, no. in OS X? No. Or no, it wasn't OS X. It was one of the early Mac OS X, or early Mac uh, OS revisions. And it was a little Mario Brothers guy. Yeah. He'd walk across the screen, take his pants down, and moon you, and they just walk off, and that was it. That was like, that's Seriously? all that happened. That's it. <laughs> it would just like do a little Mario dude would come out. Put his ass in your face, like shake it around a little bit, put it back up. If <laughs> you go back, there'd be like no problems with your – nothing else would happen. That's all that just, happened. Yeah, it was just a mess with you. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean I want more people to write exploits like that. Just Absolutely. Just like, <laughs> how we did it, and it's just kind of funny to know that it's there. No, I'm all about the funny. Or install you know like I mean? the, the like little stripper girl icon that like dances on your desktop <laughs> when like you're not doing anything. It like yeah. dances on your toolbar. <laughs> <laughs> That's the funny stuff that people need to start doing, man, because I don't know all this like – like, okay, there are a lot of guys out there that are doing the whole black hat thing, trying to be, like, really hardcore and, yeah. and you know, getting Sell their green hat on and all that other shit. That's cool, you know, if that's what you want to do. But we've really lost fun 
Oh, I totally agree. In hacking, you know what I mean? When did it turn into the everybody's got to be hard? Like, we're all in a big fucking Eminem video. Big gangsters. You know? We, yeah. It's like, we oh, need, man. We all need crosses and fucking bling. And Seriously. dead shit. And yeah, I'm waiting for the next person to speak at Black Hat, just big fucking cross on their neck, like all kinds <laughs> of tattoos and shit on their face, just <laughs> talking about, like, how their hoe, like, popped some box <laughs> out in Florida, and they had to grab their moms so they could... Get away from the FBI yeah. or some crazy put, shit. Put their ass in check. Yeah. They patch management shit. It's like, goddamn, y'all was getting crunk on some shit, popping some <laughs> Irix boxes. Old school, dog. <laughs> and this is why we call it the 40 issue. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. No, that's all cool and everything, but let's get fun again, man. I know. I'm. I'm Bring I'm back totally the Super Mario. I'm all about the yeah, next. The next exploit that's out there. I sure hope to God somebody uses this as a reason to put it back. <laughs> uh, that'd be awesome. Well. All right, um, we're off to another cast. We're going to try and call in with our special op, Brian Jones, over at CCDC. Until then, Don, thank you so much, dude. Thanks for having me. For joining us. And Jackalope, thank you for adding in everything that makes shit actually make sense versus (laughs) me just going blah, 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 and like you throwing (laughs) stuff at me once in a while. I'm still going to work on the Twitter stuff, so that that hasn't been forgotten because I'm just as curious about 1,200 names and phone numbers as all you guys are. Uh we I'm even, definitely interested now. Uh, somebody, somebody direct message us on our uh, ac- uh, exotic liability Twitter account. Oh. Bleh, sorry. Um, <laughs> somebody direct messages on that saying that one of the phone numbers that they looked up was this like Mary something who was like a Colorado real estate agent who was like heavily founded in this like Christianity roots group and all this other stuff and like had her phone number all over the site. So I, I think we, we need to just start Googling the phone numbers and figuring out who the people are. And then maybe we can have a show where we just go through and call all of them to figure <laughs> no. out what the what the common thread is. Yeah, that'd be cool. Because we still haven't quite narrowed down the common thread. We're thinking that it's it's well, like Republican heavily, political parties. Yeah, I was going to say, if she's heavily Christian-oriented, sure. then maybe it's like yeah. a, a funding thing. So we're still looking. Dum-da-dum-dum. Next episode. <laughs> Bye. Thanks, guys.